0: this podcast features adults using adult language but you know you got to grow up sometime
1: hey everyone you know what it's time for swan's Cross.
0: be like a, a hot second before i'm ready to start
1: oh that's fine i started recording anyway just so i can say right now off the bat that um i was a couple minutes late getting into a recording studio today because one of my cats puked all over the kitchen counter
0: <laughs> gross i'm so sorry is is she, is she okay he's fine okay he's
1: just he's a puker he pukes sometimes and uh, this time puke. he decided to do it all over the counter at least it wasn't on the carpet you know
0: that, so. That's 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 a huge plus really yeah. when you get right down to it
1: easy cleanup
0: <laughs> yeah um hold for a moment while i go grab sure, for coffee because this is this is important
1: yes nathan just stood up and he's wearing buffalo check pajama pants which is adorable
0: <laughs> this is not a visual medium <laughs>
1: <laughs> i'm keeping all this in <laughs>
0: You can't keep me making coffee, Ian. I'm yelling at the microphone from across the room, and now I'm about to start the coffee grinder.
1: Oh, God. I love this stupid, stupid podcast.
0: (laughs) This is, like, I, I don't know why our listeners come to us for content, but this is definitely not it.
1: I don't know why our listeners come to us for content either. We are, very great for, we are very grateful for all 50 of you. Well, here we are for another fabulous episode of Gotta Grow Up Sometime, a Swans Crossing retrospective. I'm Libby Grant.
0: I'm Nathan Kessler-Jeffrey, and I'm really excited about this episode.
1: This episode is such a good one, and the next one, too. I know you're also going to just freak
0: out, because there's some moments in that one where you're like, what? And these... <laughs> these are not even friday episodes like we've got we've got two like the one so we're on 58 60 would be the friday episode so, yeah but
1: we're 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 on the last seven episodes before the season finale which sadly ended up being the series finale
0: but... Oh my word. <laughs> um
1: yes episode 58
0: speaking of Send in your questions for our big uh, series recap end of podcast episode at the end of the series.
1: Yeah, yeah. Send them in um, as DMs on um, Instagram is best at Gotta Grow Up Pod. No, sorry, at Swans Cross Pod. And then on Twitter, you can also DM them at Gotta Grow Up Pod. Um, that's the best way to get them to me, uh, even though I seldom update things. I do, I need to put some updates up on Instagram. I have them planned and I just haven't, like, actually posted them yet but i have some fun videos to put up that are ridiculous and stupid um and i'm about to go on vacation so i gotta do it soon
0: if you had had time to do that and not come see my show
1: you would have been mad yeah i get it
0: i would have been mad i would be mad i'm glad you haven't posted anything
1: <laughs> i haven't posted anything too i you know i i moved to another country which was only 11 miles as the crow flies from where i lived before but still it was a lot and um I'm also trying to finish a book by November 15th and I have to go on a two week vacation in there too. Cause, <clears throat> cause I thought I could get this book finished before I went on vacation, but I can't.
0: Right now, right now. So <laughs> anyway, you, you have to go on vacation from writing the book before you finish the book.
1: Well, I have so we only like, we take maybe one vacation every two years and it's always like, because something forces us to. So um, my friend is getting married in St. Petersburg, Florida so we were like okay well yeah let's go to the wedding it'll be fun we could fly in i guess but we both hate flying especially with covid still going around and i was like ooh, what if we did a road trip and what if we spent halloween in new orleans and he was like yes
0: that is so fun
1: yeah so that's like the vacation that we get to have for the next probably two years
0: I'm sorry. What you're telling me is that you're spending this vacation driving to and from Florida from Victoria, B.C.
1: Yes, but we get to, okay, so we're stopping in Moab, Utah, which is where we got married. So we're going to go see like the place we got married in Arches National Park. So that'll be fun. And um, we're taking a day in Santa Fe. I've always wanted to go to Santa Fe. Uh, So we're, we're, you know, Paul and I love a road trip. We just like love road trips. It's our thing so it's not
0: the road trip part of it that's bothering me it's the fact that it's to florida
1: i know but you know like i said like, my friend getting married it's gonna be fun so okay
0: <laughs> oh oh on your way back i know you're not as into bourbon as uh courtney and i are but the kentucky bourbon trail is a very fun road trip i've heard that's
1: really cool we might actually check it out we'll see how much time we have it's very fun
0: you don't have to do the whole thing to have a good time okay
1: i'll check out parts of it
0: like like we did
1: i'll try to remember to bring (laughs) you back some bourbon too
0: Uh, hey i'll take it oh there's my coffee okay we're almost there we're almost to actual content (laughs) all right let's heck and do this
1: let's heck and do it episode 58 let's go over your predictions from last time please You predicted Owen would get super distracted by the Mila and Garrett scene in the soda shop, which would lead to another moment of Sandy feeling rejected by Owen. Sadly, no, no Owen or Sandy in this one.
0: No, Owen, no Sandy. We didn't even like revisit that final moment from uh, from the soda shop. Very disappointing. I know it's a bummer.
1: You predicted that Mila would not get it because she'd be totally focused on Garrett, but Garrett would use the opportunity to escape from writing poetry. <laughs> I mean, Garrett kind of tries to escape from writing poetry, and Mila definitely does not get it.
0: Yep, yep. So I'm gonna give myself that one.
1: Yeah. Garrett would try to rope Sydney into getting more poetry for Mila. It hasn't happened yet.
0: Yeah, but it certainly seems headed that direction.
1: Oh, definitely. JT and Neil would keep planning the amusement extravaganza, which would be the Friday episode. And you are right about that. We don't see JT and Neil, but we can tell by other characters' actions that they are still planning the amusement extravaganza. Excellent. And Sydney would be tangled up with Garrett trying to figure out how to get how to get him more poetry, or would try to figure out how to get the birth certificate back and would be living her new changed life as a positive person. That is correct.
0: Not too shabby. This was a good, this is a good series of predictions.
1: And you have one more that we would not get a lot of jazz or the baldy, but Jimmy would have a scene with Beric where he's trying to figure out how to get the bug back on the bike without Beric noticing. Also correct.
0: Yeah. I mean, we did, we did get some baldy. (laughs) Boy, did we? It is quite a scene. (laughs) All right. Let's talk about the thumbnail. Uh, Sydney sits in front of the window at the Rutledge house. You can see the fake ficus tree outside the window against a lit scrim. It's beautiful. Um, the,
1: Very uh,
0: the, the heavy brown drapes line the window and in the foreground, there is what I assumed at the time is one of the many sheets covering the Rutledge furniture, but it is taking up easily an eighth of the frame. Uh, Sydney appears to be in a black and white top with fabulous hair cascading down over her right shoulder. It's absolutely beautiful.
1: Beautiful. We open on a close-up of coral and shells with vaguely nautical Casio music playing. The camera pans back to reveal that we're on the submarine and Callie picks up a shell to listen to the sound of the ocean inside it as Captain Walker comes down the ladder
0: in his full captain's uniform. You are really underselling the music. (laughs) the music is this synthesized harpsichord and flute and it is, it, it is unbelievable it is some regency era shenanigans happening at the top of this episode
1: regency era shenanigans might have to be the title that's good
0: <laughs> it is excellent
1: Also, I feel like we need to talk about Captain Elia Walker Walker's uniform because did you notice how sparkly
0: the epaulets are? Well, here's the thing about that. That's actually not a, that's not the fault of the epaulets. That's the lighting. There are too many lighting instruments on him. So he, so those stars, which are faceted, are getting hit by multiple lights, so every time he shifts in any way, they flash.
1: They are dazzling. It's like you're having a prankster shine laser pointers into your eyes. It's like he's on. It's like he's on Soul
0: Train. Yeah, that's exactly what it's like. They have this conversation about how uh, she remembers hearing uh, Shell for the first time as they were outside of Burma and um, headed to Sumatra, and he asks her to see if she can tell where he's been by the shells that he collected.
1: And of course, because it's Callie, she guesses exactly right.
0: Callie is the best Mary Sue of all time.
1: She is. She figures out that it was some obscure island in the mouth of the Amazon. How long did it take Captain Walker to get there and back? Because he was gone for like two weeks, right?
0: Maybe. I mean, two weeks of... Showtime, which generally is like uh, a couple of days.
1: Anyway, he's impressed with Callie's shell-identifying skills, and he says soberly, I've taught you well, haven't I?
0: (laughs) Oh my gosh. Um, I want to bring up, because we are going to see this again later, but he is standing in front of a big target covered in swans. There are so many swans this episode, y'all. So many, like we got a real glut of
1: swans in this
0: one. Oh, it's so good. It's so good.
1: Um, Callie wants to know where he was during his uh, his lengthy expedition and what he was doing at the mouth of the Amazon. But if he gives any answer, we don't hear it because we cut to the tool and die.
0: We get the final scene from last episode as Jimmy enters, discovers that the Barrack's bike is gone and he is trying to get the communicator back on it. Uh, and unlike last time we saw this scene, you can actually hear what the person on the other end is saying. Cause it's like, Beric, Beric, come in. And unlike last time, Jimmy doesn't look around like a dumb shit, not knowing what to do. <laughs> he just talks into the communicator and pretends to be Beric.
1: Yeah. He's like, Beric here. And then the voice on the other end of the radio says, Pegasus on hold copy. And Jimmy says, copy and then they both give the over and jimmy looks perplexed and disturbed
0: fortunately we cut away from this to sydney on the phone working out decorations for the concert as glory wanders around in the background behind her at the relish house Uh, after working out the amount and the color sydney hangs up and tells glory that the builders of the stage are happy to donate to a good cause yeah so apparently sydney is helping get the decorations for the the entertainment extravaganza the amusement extravaganza
1: yes so sydney has like convinced it's a little bit hard to tell what's going on in this conversation but sydney has convinced the company that's going to provide the bunting for the stage to just like donate some extra bunting to this fundraiser thing that's going on
0: which sh- sure
1: there's so much focus on bunting in this show
0: yeah <laughs> Uh, Corey notes that they don't know why Neil and JT are having the game night, and Sydney says (laughs) it wouldn't be like them to have just put it together for fun. So, essentially, these these builders are donating this bunting to not a nonprofit, not like they're just they were asked to help, and they just are now. This doesn't happen a lot, but this has happened to me where I've been like, I'm doing a show, I'm not a nonprofit. Will you give me products? And people have done it. It's amazing. Some people are just so nice and they get nothing in return.
1: That's awesome. <laughs> well, Glory thanks her and she's about to leave to give the good news about the bunting to JT. But she stops and says, didn't you want me to give Garrett a message? And Sydney says, tell him all is forgiven.
0: Glory gives Sydney a questioning look as the music swells, and we cut to the booth porch as Mila enters with Garrett, remarking she's never seen anyone eat four orders of pancakes before.
1: God. I remember when I was a teenager and I could do shit like that.
0: I don't think I could ever do four orders of pancakes. I ate a lot as a teenager. That's so much. <laughs> hang on. Hang on just one second. My dog is being a ass. Yeah, go for it. River knows that when Courtney is gone, I'm a pushover for snacks. Oh, no. Yeah.
1: He's a snack dispenser.
0: He is a snack dispenser. Okay, where were we?
1: Mila and Garrett exchange some flirtatious dialogue, and then Mila mentions again that the thing she likes most about Garrett is those damn poems.
0: (laughs) Those damn poems. She loves them. Uh, she, She wants more of them. She keeps reminding him about the poetry notebook that she's given him, and he exits to, to go into the house and bring out some of Glory's lemonade, hoping that it will awaken his creativity and help uh, put the put the pancakes to bed, so to speak.
1: <laughs> oh, man. Garrett's going to have a rough couple of days in the bathroom coming up here.
0: <laughs> oh, man. Oh, my gosh. Um,
1: Just to remind us, the audience, of what the poetry notebook looks like, Garrett pulls it out of his pocket and holds it up in clear view of the camera. And as he goes inside... For the lemonade, Mila looks love struck and dreamy in her fish dress.
0: I want to. At this point, I was really wondering, like, is she staying here, or, and they're gonna have another scene, or is she actually going somewhere else? Unfortunately, that that is answered in the episode, but it really was unclear. Of like, hang out. I'm gonna bring you some lemonade too. Yeah. <laughs> like it's completely unspoken. It
1: was super unclear. We cut to commercial, and when we're back, it's the theme song, and after that. The Walkers are having breakfast on the sub. Callie points out that her dad still hasn't told her why he was dicking around the Amazon.
0: That's true. Have Has ShoutFactory.tv stopped playing uh, commercials for you? Yeah, they
1: have, and I'm I'm a little glad, I have to say.
0: It, well, it's nice to be able to watch the episode straight through, but I do miss Gotta Clean Up sometime.
1: I miss Gotta Clean Up sometime, too. It was really a unique experience, and... um. Sometimes I think maybe you and I are the only people who ever saw it.
0: That's in Oh my gosh. What if we were?
1: I think we we need to do another podcast within a podcast. about it. Just kidding. Don't worry, listeners. We're not going to.
0: We're not doing that. We're not doing that. So they're both eating a heaping helping of food and catching up the walkers. The captain claims to have been filling in the missing pieces of his shell collection and uh, making a decision to stay in Swan's crossing. And, Callie reacts uh a little weird to this and and uh he asks if it's something she isn't happy about. She seems disturbed that he isn't telling her everything, and he says that she's just gonna have to trust him.
1: Yeah, and she's like, no, I'm glad we're staying, but like, it doesn't make sense because why did you go, you know, thousands of miles just to decide that we're gonna stay here in Swan's Crossing? But you know, as we know, it's the only place left, so Naturally.
0: Right, right. They have this weird, he he gives her this weird warning that eventually she's going to be alone and she must be prepared to stand on her own two feet. And then we cut to Jimmy at the tool and die, who is, and this is one of, I think, the most clever things that anyone has done in any episode of Swan's Crossing. He has swept up a bunch of like shop detritus and carefully places the communicator in the middle of this pile that he is swept up, hoping that Barrick will think that he just it fell off of his bike and, and Jimmy didn't even notice it.
1: Yeah, it's actually a pretty good plan. That works. Not
0: bad, Jimmy. Not you're bad, not, Jimmy. You're not just a pretty face. <laughs>
1: He hears a sound. He gets up and runs back to the bench and acts like he's been working all along just as Barrett comes in.
0: Barrett is carrying a big paper bag and announces that he brought lunch and asks if Jimmy's had breakfast or if he's been too busy. Jimmy just stares at him. I
1: know. That's in my notes too. Just stares. No answer. It's a long stare too. It's not like he just kind of glances at him and we cut away. It's like Jimmy staring
0: long shot. Then we cut to Mila still in the booth yard. It really does feel like the actors were told at the end of the scene, hold so that we can get the editing right. And then the editing was never right.
1: Yeah. They just kept it all. They're like, that's a good stare. We should hang on to it. Right? Like I can't decide which moments of the stare should stay and go. It's an art. It's a, it's a work of art. It's all staying. It's gorgeous.
0: (laughs) <laughs> oh jimmy's stares. have you seen this boy stare my word to be the fair smolder. jimmy does have a really good stare <laughs> i mean everybody in this show has a really good stare because they are forced to do it every episode
1: oh do you think when they auditioned they had to like so it's the casting director was like give me your best stare
0: <laughs> i don't i don't think so uh but then again i don't i'm i'm not a film and television person could have been could have been happening Could have been. Um, I do feel
1: like maybe Sarah Michelle Gellar, as talented as she is and as worthy as she is, maybe she got cast on the strength of her stare alone
0: because they really work the Sydney stare a lot. That's true. That's true. As we have seen in your montage video.
1: Yes. Well, we cut to Mila in the booth yard. She's plucking the petals off a flower and doing that he loves me, he loves me not thing. Glory comes up to talk to her and realizes Mila has just destroyed one of her prized flowers.
0: Yeah, and she calls it. It's in my notes here. Um, a ranunculus.
1: Yeah. Well, she's trying to say ranunculus. She says (laughs) ranunculus.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, But then decides that it's that it's just a daisy, which it isn't. It definitely was not just a daisy. No. Um, and and it was so. Courtney was watching a bit of this episode with me, and when we got to this section, she was like. This is a ranunculus. <laughs> and she turns her computer around to me. None of the flowers in this scene are ranunculus. I know. Ranunculus so... apparently look a lot like a, like a rose. Yeah. They're very similar.
1: They look very similar to roses. Yeah. They do not look anything like daisies or like the dahlia that is clearly uh, that we see later. Anyway, Garrett comes out with a fancy tray with lemonade on it with fancy ass sliced lemons on the glasses and a big ass flower which again glory claims is another ranunculus not uh mila is duly impressed however
0: with the with the heart shaped cutouts of the lemons these things look ridiculous
1: at least they play it up that like it kind of looks like a heart but not really and garrett's like hey it's the first time i've ever done it so you know
0: (laughs) yeah but it was a it was a dumbass idea to begin with i don't know why like these are, I've, the writers were like, lemons are round. You can make hearts out of something round, right? Yeah, you can't, not with a Jeez, lemon. <laughs> you can't, you can't.
1: Oh, oh boy. Gosh. Glory's pretty mad at this point because not only have people been ruining her flowers, which, you know, justifiably, I'm a big gardener too. I would be pissed if somebody just started fucking with my flowers willy nilly. Um, but she tries to get Garrett.
0: Or, or running into them while intoxicated. <laughs>
1: Yes, I was very mad about that. <laughs> she tries to get Garrett's attention, but he and Mila are just staring at each other like a couple of goons, and Glory finally, like, grabs Garrett's arm and forces him to come inside with her. She's really getting pissed.
0: Yep. They, uh, they head up to Mila's room because that's the only other set in the booth house, <laughs> and she starts grilling Garrett about why he and Mila are together, reminding him of the slumber party where Sydney revealed his plan to use Mila in order to get to Sydney. Now, that, I don't remember what episode that is, but that feels like a million years ago.
1: It was. It was like around episode 10. It was a oh, long time ago.
0: Gosh, it's so long ago. Anyway, yeah. she notes there's there's been a drastic change between the two of them in like a day, day and a half. And he gets sociopathically upset <laughs> that she seems to be implying, not that he has hoodwinked Mila, but that he has no charm. Yeah. Like that seems to be his beef with Glory.
1: Yeah. See, Glory's like, basically, she's like, tell me how you pulled this off. You must have, there. there is fuckery afoot. You did something to make Mila like you.
0: There is fuckery afoot is also a very good title for this episode. <laughs> That's a good one. I like that one a lot.
1: And that's why Garrett gets so upset and he seriously gives this, like, it's like this camera angle slightly from below so he looks like he's looming and he just looks like he wants to murder his sister. Yeah, But yeah, because she's like, you did something. It's not just that you're charming and Mila suddenly likes you. Like, she hated your guts and now suddenly she's in love with you? Like, what gives?
0: So, like a true sociopath, he completely flips it away from himself and demands to know what happened to her during her disappearance. Uh, And that shuts Glory up. But she still gives Garrett Sidney's message about everything being forgiven. And in true form, Garrett says, Ms. Rutledge seems to have her signals crossed. And he walks over to the window, pulls down the Fabian shade, and we cut to commercial.
1: <laughs> Back at the Tool and Die, Beric is preparing a breakfast of cheese and chocolate, which Jimmy finds dubious. But barrick says it was how they did it in Amsterdam. And he recounts his Dutch adventures during his younger years, which apparently included having sex with a lady named Greta de Groot in a field of tulips.
0: Yeah, yeah. My favorite favorite quote from this scene is, there's nothing like sharing some bread, some chocolate, a hunk of gouda, and tiptoeing through the tulips, if you know what I mean.
1: A hunk of Gouda. Don't call your dick that, Beric. A hunk of Gouda. A hunk of Gouda
0: is also a very good title for this episode.
1: Oh, we have another wealth of potential titles. Beric mentions that his bike is running better than it was, and he asks asks if Jimmy tuned it up. Jimmy says he cleaned the air damp barrack's all jolly and friendly about everything until he sees the pile of crap on the floor and asks what that's all about
0: now hold on just a second there is a weird ass like micro scene here where barrack finds a quart container from his triple ripple in the trash can that has absolutely nothing to do with anything and they have like Four or five lines of dialogue about this. It felt
1: improvised to me. Like it seriously, it, it felt like it was not the same kind of dialogue they, they are usually scripted with.
0: Yeah. It was extremely strange, because Barrick's like, Did you did you do this? And Jimmy was like, I got here early and I was hungry. And Barrack essentially says, Look, if you if you come in early, I'll I'm fine to spot you some triple ripple or something like that. It is so weird.
1: It is really weird. But then anyway, Barrick finds that pile of stuff and he's like, oh, if you got time to lean, you got time to clean. He starts sweeping it up. Jimmy gets nervous and looks around all mad sus,
0: as the kids say. Mad sus. Okay. Uh, we cut back to the sub where Callie is throwing shuriken at the swan, z- swan target on the wall. What the
1: fuck? Just hucking ninja stars inside a submarine. <laughs> you know, like you do. I love how just absurd
0: this show is. Everything about it is bonkers. Yeah, she and she and her dad are having a little competition about this. Uh, and she keeps trying to get some specifics on the captain's tra- travels, but he you know, he he avoids that topic of conversation. And as they start to pull their shuriken out of the target, two things. First, Callie wonders if she's the only girl doing this with her dad right now and asks if they could do something normal for a change. To which the captain's response is normal. <laughs> it's so good. Second, there is a needlepoint embroidered sign below the target that says, I kid you not, report all leaks. I know who made this? And why? <laughs> it's it's a needlepoint. Like, this is, this is something carefully handcrafted to remind everybody. Like, was this Callie's mom who was just like, listen, my husband is an idiot and needs a sign. But I want to make it pretty. <laughs> so they decide that Normal would be going for dinner at the Swans Club, where Walker is a founding member and should put in an appearance every decade to put a dent in the house minimum.
1: Also, just to rewind slightly... In that moment where Callie wonders if she's the only girl in the world who throws shuriken with her dad, he says, perhaps, perhaps there's someone else. As we know, as we know from the beans Stacey Mosley spilled for us, Callie was going to have an evil half-sister from some Asian country, presumably an Asian country with a seaport. And then this little, this was like a little foreshadowing they were seeding in at the end of season one for what Callie's evil sister was going to be like when she got to Swans Crossing in season two. I just need to say, I am very sad that cruel fate has denied us a shuriken throwing star battle between split screen Stacey Mosley's who are trying to murder each other. We have been robbed, my fellow Swans. I,
0: I could not agree more. Like, I didn't know that I wanted that until this moment, but now I want nothing more.
1: Right? It's all you want.
0: Yeah. Jo- jo- job satisfaction? No. And then to global warming? 100% not. I need this battle between dueling Stacy Mosley's.
1: <laughs> Cut to the Rutledge Mansion. Sydney is on the phone with Nancy, trying to apologize for having been such a massive tool all summer long. Sydney suggests they should spend the day together, maybe go
0: shopping for some new outfits for the upcoming school year. N- Nancy is at Swan's soda shop, talking on the house Swan phone as some insane... Music videos play on the wall of monitors behind her, and she is being super cagey, as one would expect, having been completely blown off by Sydney any number of times.
1: Yeah, no kidding. Also, I'm really confused by the logistics of this scene. Like, Nancy's at Swans on their phone. Did she call Sydney? Did Sydney call Swans and ask if Nancy was there? Like, how is this working out? Especially since we've already seen. Nancy on a phone in a different set like she has the horse phone in the barn.
0: They could have Nancy. had Sydney call her at the horse phone. Oh that's right. Oh I forgot about the horse phone in the barn. Yeah. I was I was thinking to myself that these characters probably don't exist unless they're on one of the existing sets. So <laughs>
1: Um, Nancy says she has to check her social calendar. Of course, she's not anywhere near her social calendar. So she picks up like a receipt or something that's lying on the table and just starts crinkling it aggressively into the phone to make it sound like she's leafing through a book. It doesn't sound anything like that.
0: Right. No, it doesn't. And as Sydney is waiting, she glances out this window that she's sitting next to and sees the Fabian shade in Glory's window.
1: And Nancy says, okay, I can make it on the shopping trip. But Sydney says... Something just went down. I've got to call you back. And it hangs
0: up. (laughs) And just jets out of the room. Nancy, we get this real brief shot of Nancy hanging up the phone at Swan's and going, same old Sydney.
1: Oh, Nancy, I love you. And there's not enough of you.
0: (laughs) We cut to the booth porch. Garrett is trying to get rid of Mila uh, until they have dinner at the club that night. And she thought that they were going swimming for another, you know, swimming lesson. And she guesses that he's taking the time away to write a poem. He says he's going to fill up the book with poetry by tonight, because when I'm around you, the excitement flows to my brain, and I can't create. It's Um, it's not flowing to your brain, Garrett. Yeah, it's definitely not... That's not where the excitement's going, bud.
1: No, we all know where it's going. Come on. (laughs) Mealy guesses that the thing he's going to do is write her a poem, and then she calls him Chandler. Yep.
0: (laughs) She heads out with the promise that he'll have peace and quiet because the poems are worth waiting for. And we cut to commercial, and then we're back at the tool and die where Beric finds the communicator in the pile of junk that he's been sweeping up. As he picks it up, Jimmy is watching him like a hawk from behind, and Callie comes in through the sliding door. We forgot to mention in the previous scene that the captain tells Callie to invite Beric to dinner.
1: Oh yes, yeah. He's like, why don't you invite your friend, Beric?
0: And there's this, like, doom music as Callie contemplates an entire dinner with this, like, child-molesting son of a bitch.
1: Yeah. Anyway, Beric, having just found the radio thing, is still sort of crouched down with his back to the other two and he's trying to keep his cool. Callie says her dad wants him to come to dinner with them that night so he can tell him about his new scientific findings, Barrett grins and says, he'd be delighted.
0: There is a brief second here where I I swear, I swear to heaven, you can hear someone talking off camera.
1: <laughs> I didn't catch that, but it wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> it,
0: it, literally, it, well, it, it sounds like somebody like walked into the soundstage and was immediately hushed, but was having a full volume conversation off camera.
1: Oh, that is so funny. I love that. Anyway, Beric turns to Jimmy, asks him to go to the cleaners and pick up his blazer, and Callie's like, oh, I'll go with him. And after they've left, Beric snatches the radio bug out of his pocket and says into it, Pegasus.
0: We cut to no man's land where mist and the sound of crickets fill the air as Sydney paces back and forth in front of the hole.
1: <laughs> it's night now, by the way.
0: <laughs> yep, absolutely. Uh, Garrett shows up. They have some chit-chat about being in the same place under different circumstances. And Garrett says that this feels like a whole new place now. His and Mila's.
1: Yeah, it's a, there's some pretty good character work here from uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar, too, because Garrett's like trying to rile her up and she's just batting him away with like, yeah, you're not getting to me, dude. He even at one point kind of looks up at the sky and says, it looks like there's going to be a storm. And Sydney says, only on the outside.
0: <laughs> okay. Such a great line. So they have a the conversation about, you know, the birth certificate and, and this message about all is forgiven. And essentially what it sounds like is that Sydney just wants to call it all even, forget the birth certificate exists, and asks him what he thinks. And Garrett smiles and there's a chime sound. And we cut to Callie and Jimmy.
1: Yeah, they're outside the tool and die. Right
0: outside the tool and die. They're immediately on the other side of the door.
1: Yeah, right next to the door, where, you know, if Beric were on the other side, he could definitely hear them. And they're talking about the bug and the messages that Jimmy intercepted on it. They try to figure out what Pegasus could possibly refer to.
0: Yeah, they assume it's a code name, but for who? <laughs> well, we shortly
1: find out, because we cut to somewhere on the Walker estate, with fog rolling through.
0: Captain Bal- Baldy appears with the uh, the headset that has the giant radio receiver on it and the Whirly Gig in his hand. He sees the the dude, one of the dudes in the Snake Pit hoods, who is carrying the giant boa constrictor and stretches it out like full arms length end to end.
1: Yeah, this okay. So like the Snake Man in his fully hooded robe. It has his back to the camera and both of his arms outstretched like he's some weird crucifix or something. And then this 10-foot live python is draped across his arms.
0: It is amazing.
1: It's so crazy. Captain Baldy drops to his knees in front of the snake figure and says,
0: My liege. My pegasus. What the fuck is this? The freeze frame roll credits. It's amazing. This is so crazy. It's so insane. Do you remember how big Pegasi were in the early nineties?
1: Yeah, they were hot. Yeah.
0: Like my ex had, I feel like a dozen notebooks with Pegasi on them.
1: Yeah. Lisa Frank really like kicked off the Pegasus thing.
0: Oh my <laughs> gosh. Those, those Lisa Frank notebooks. Oh my
1: gosh. Yeah. Well, who was our psychopath of the week?
0: Oh, Garrett. 100%. Yeah. That scene with Glory. Yeah, that was weird. Really weird. Um, what?
1: what was our swan count for this one?
0: Oh my gosh. Nine new fake swans because we had the swan in the credits, swan phone, and then the seven swans on the target board.
1: Hell yeah. <laughs> amazing. So many amazing. swans.
0: Amazing. Um, and then we had... So that brings up running total to Seven imaginary swans, 24 actual swans, and 143 other swans.
1: Damn, damn. Yeah. The, the, words cannot describe. You have to see this show to appreciate how many fucking swans are crammed into it.
0: Oh my lord.
1: <laughs> you can't escape him. All right, I'm going to hit mute and you got to tell me your predictions for next week.
0: Okay, next week we get at least one scene where Pegasus speaks, but we never see their face. Barrick, Callie, and Captain Walker have dinner in which Callie is very suspicious, but Walker is utterly charmed by Barrick. Uh, I don't know how they're going to do this, because we have never seen the inside of the Swans Club. So maybe maybe what we actually get is post-dinner conversation between the kids out at the pool where Callie escapes to get away from Barrick and her father talking about undersea shenanigans. Um, Jimmy does some ex- investigating in the next episode, JT, Neil, and Glory, and Saja are deep into planning the game night. Sandy and Owen, if they appear, are working on the planning for the music video. We get no Muffy, we get no Grant Booth, and everything's sort of building up to the big game night in Friday's episode. That's what I think.
1: Okay, well, certainly it will be an exciting episode no matter what happens, and uh, I can't wait to
0: see you all then. Oh my gosh, we only have seven left, everybody. Seven episodes left. Thank you to Richard Lindler and Steve Lane for the use of our theme song, Gotta Grow Up Sometime, from the hit show Swans Crossing.
1: And if you want to find us on social media, where remember you can DM us your questions for our grand finale episode, get us on uh, Instagram at Gotta Grow Up Pod and on Twitter at Swans Cross Pod.
0: And until we meet again, may all your boa constrictors be stretched out to full length.
1: <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Let me tell you, young James, there's nothing like sharing a hunk of bread, some chocolate, some Gouda, and tiptoeing through the old tulips, you know what I mean?